Welcome to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnnews.com. I'm here today with Jonathan Starling, who's the new executive director of Green Rock, and Eugene Dean, who's just been elected to Green Rock's board. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you very much um, for coming along today. Um, as I just said, you're both new members. Um, what do you hope to achieve with Green Rock? Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning. Well, that's quite an open-ended uh, question, of course, but... Uh, uh, one thing that green top three specifics, <laughs> perhaps. Well, to be honest, one thing that uh, I'd like to see with Green Rock is actually to uh, do ourselves out of a job. To be honest, I mean, right. we hear about sustainability and to make the island more sustainable, um, which is all encompassing as environment, economic, and social aspects. Um, ideally, we would uh, change the mindset of uh, everyone so that Bermuda, as a whole, is sustainable, and there's no need for a sustainability NGO like us. Um, I want to come back to that mindset thing, but yes, I agree with you. Sure. Uh, beyond that, in the more immediate uh, areas, uh, I'd like to grow our individual membership, um, get build our volunteer base, and uh, get out there with a couple new uh, projects and programs that we have coming mm-hmm. up. We'll hear about those later on, hopefully. Eugene, what, you're, you're just on the board, like I said, or what do you want to see happening? Well, yeah, it's interesting because um, I've been involved with Green Rock probably since about 2007 now. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a little structural change a few years ago, and um, and yeah, I've just recently been involved with the board. I've primarily been involved with a lot of the events and programs, and I guess a lot of the community outreach and mm-hmm. engagement. So I'm just kind of looking to bring that experience to the board level and just be more involved with the overall direction of the charity as we grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just like to see the community more engaged and involved so I hope that's what I can bring and you know how to bring the experience and expertise that I have to the table yeah to just you know better refine the type of events that we do you know and just help to better connect Green Rock with you know everyone at a community level because you know we're fortunate because Green Rock has a tends to have a very good feel with people within mm-hmm. the community. You know, most times when you hear people commenting about Green Rock is it's generally very positive. You know, so we just want to, I guess, build on that to take all those positive feelings that people have and turn it into more action. Absolutely. Jonathan, you mentioned mindset and it was a question I was going to ask. How do you change the mindset? I mean, it's my perception, at least, that environmental issues, sustainability issues in Bermuda are not really very high on people's priority lists. Do you agree? Um, Yes and no. I think it depends on how people understand what sustainability is about. Um, When people hear sustainability, I think they tend to think just green issues or environmentalism. And that's understandable. I mean, to a degree that uh, environmental issues haven't been raised high up in the agenda, it's kind of forced... NGOs like ourselves to really focus on those issues to make them a, a matter. But uh, as I mentioned before, sustainability is all-encompassing. It, it talks about economic sustainability mm-hmm. and social sustainability. It's not just about the environment. So one thing that uh, we're working on is just trying to, well, initially changing the mindset about what sustainability is in yeah. the first place um, and to broaden it to to that more holistic approach. Um, uh, how do we do that? We do that through uh, a combination of factors. Uh, we have these uh, community outreach events, uh, like 
like uh, Eugene just mentioned, uh, one thing coming up in uh, March is Earth Hour, which I That's think right, we'll talk yeah. about coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we do these uh, events. We also launch a series of uh, programs and projects which try to demonstrate how sustainability can work. And they provide working examples, which we can then point to. And uh, beyond that, there's also just engaging in general conversation, mm -hmm. raising awareness and advocating for this or that particular issue. Now, because sustainability is that all-encompassing thing, we, we can't really focus on everything at one time. No. We spread ourselves too thin. So we do have to kind of... Uh, prioritize and as a what we can do is kind of limited on how much support we have for example the more individual members the more volunteers we have the more we can focus on this or that issue so mm -hmm. that's one reason I like to encourage more people to get involved to reach out contact us they can become individual members they can approach us about volunteering if you have a particular uh, project that you or an, an issue which you think needs highlighted come and join us um, the issue of sustainability you mentioned, um, Eugene, do you think people know what sustainability is? Um, like Jonathan said, I think most people at the moment have a rather narrow view of sustainability. You know, people, you know, understand about the need to care for the environment because, you know, I guess there's been a lot of conversation around that. People also understand that there's a waste management element, mm -hmm. you know, and then the other thing is for the most part people understand about energy. Mm -hmm. I think water is something that, you know, is kind of cultural with Bermuda, yes. you know, because we're very connected with our water. We catch our water on our roof. We have a tank that we manage and things of that nature. So, you know, historically we've been very connected and, and very, I guess, conscious of our water usage, you know, now we have technology coming into place. Where, <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's a big thing. I mean, just listening to you talking to Jonathan just now, where we were talking about changing mindsets. What, what's interesting is that, you know, we were all very sustainable, you know. Um, we were very conscientious about how we utilized our food resources, yeah. our energy resources, our water resources and because we were very connected with these things and what's happened is that, you know, we've had technological advances over the years that have provided somewhat of a gap between our experience <laughs> and reality. Mm -hmm. You know, so now we have this convenience factor yeah. that's come in between. And while we benefit tremendously from these modern day conveniences, what has also happened is that it's created somewhat of a disconnect. Mm -hmm. So for example, I would give presentations in school and I would ask the children like, you know, where does chicken come from? And they'd say the grocery store. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you say like, you know, electricity is just you just turn on a light switch and, and the lights come on. So you know, the water you just turn the tap and sure. the water is just there. So there's less consciousness because there's less of a connection between the water. Now, if you have to go out and fetch your water Clearly, yeah. and put it in your tank, then you're very connected to that water supply, so, so you're more conscious about it. So why is this disconnect happening? Is, it, is there a sense of complacency that we've just had it too good for so long? Well, it's just, like I'm saying, it's, the, the technology creates the space. So now you don't have to think about where chicken comes from. You just go to the grocery store. Somebody else thinks about that. You don't really have to think about how your water is. Say you have Watlington Waterworks now. Yeah. 
You don't really have to think about managing a tank, water levels, keeping your roof clean, things of that nature. You just turn the tap and the water comes. What you do have to think about is paying the bill, though. Yes, please. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And people are connected to that. Now, so imagine if we were as connected to everything as we are to managing our money then we'd be far more conscientious about everything. So these are the new dynamics that we have to face in the more developed countries around the world because you have technology in place you know, that's created this disconnect. And it's not, too, it's not that technology is a problem. It's just that as we implement these technologies, it's important for us to see the whole picture. And I think that's the biggest role that we now have to play. It's more so like we're reminding people of these realities that technology has created the space for us to kind of overlook. You know, that, that's the, so if you, you know, that, that's the situation that we find ourselves in. It's, it's kind of interesting, you say you ask the kids where does the chicken come from, it comes from the supermarket. <laughs> do, you, do you ever feel sometimes you're facing, you're fighting a losing battle when you get an answer like that? Um, not really. I mean, I can. Sometimes you have your moments, you know, yeah. just like in any job. Uh, but to be honest, the the future generations. I'm actually quite impressed by them. Uh, one of our flagship programs is the Eco Schools, yeah. uh, where we're in the the school system. We have about 15 schools engaged in the program right now, and we have plans to expand that um, going forward. Uh, the majority of the schools involved are public schools, and uh, it's it's going well. The, the the youth really are switched on. They're, they're understanding things better than in my generation. That, that, they're that's more aware part, of the consequences of yeah. things, it seems. And that's partly because I think, just in a general sense, where there's a general growing awareness of these issues with the climate change going on. We saw the climate change conference in Paris in uh, December. Yeah. And we're, actually, we're beginning to see some of the consequences of climate change now. Uh, for example, we're seeing problems of food crisis, we're seeing energy crises going on. So there, there are hurricanes hitting the Azores as we speak. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, this is uh, what the first uh, Atlantic hurricane in, in the winter since 1983, I think. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so I think people in general are becoming to be more switched on. It's just a matter of encouraging that and uh, building on that foundation. Can, you mentioned the eco-schools. I wanted to expand a little bit. Can, can you just tell me um, a little bit about that, what, what, the, what it involves? Well, yeah, I mean... Basically, the Eco Schools program provides students with an opportunity to get involved in action around sustainability. Mm-hmm. So they get to choose, I guess, what type of activities they like to engage in. It could be around, you know, waste management. At which point they would do kind of like a waste audit at the school to determine like how much waste. To throw it away, and then they will come up with strategies and how to right. reduce that. Right. They can do an energy audit. They uh-huh. can look at water. They can look at doing a school garden. You know, so there's a number of different options that they have within the program. And actually, the program gives a lot of freedom for them to come up with something that best suits their situation at the school. But overall, the idea is that the students and the teachers are getting actively involved in these projects around more sustainable living. And when we talk about changing mindsets, you know, we're creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. You know, so really is is what's happened is that we were accustomed to doing things a certain way. We've now learned to do things differently. Right. <laughs> and so the same opportunity always exists for us to learn to do things differently again. You know, it's just that now in this time period where convenience has been put on a pedestal, 
you know, it's like we have these options. I mean, we always have options in life, but so you say, okay, this way is far more convenient, but this way is actually far more sustainable. You know, so that's where the repetition and the encouragement comes, right. so that we're actually considering things based on what's more sustainable and that's, instead that's of being, just being what's more convenient. And that's one of the things the Eco Schools Project is trying to get across. Is it? Right. If right. I can uh, just build on some of that, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's important to note that the Eco Schools is part of an international program. Mm-hmm. They're not just in Bermuda. They're in, uh, uh, I think they involve 6,000 schools in about 50 countries at the moment. Uh, we're the delivery partner for Bermuda. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's t- it's an international program organized by the uh, Foundation for Environmental Education. And uh, just building on what Eugene said, uh, it's one important thing is, is that it's really about participatory involvement of the students, uh, students and the teachers, and getting involved in affecting your environment in your immediate area. And that builds a lot of uh, useful skills outside of sustainability in general to develop soft skills, for example, which I know we're... It's constantly uh, mentioned by business here that we need our students developing soft skills, and that involves group work, it involves uh, um, identifying problems, thinking critically, thinking creatively. Um, We're only in our second year of the eco-school program at the moment. Uh, In our first year, we had 10 schools, and at the end of that, we awarded two green flags. Uh, The green flags are a recognition of the success going along the pathways. And I think we awarded uh, five green seats, which is like the step below the green flag. Um, This is our second year. We've expanded it to 15 schools. Um, Mm -hmm. We're actually looking at the possibility of expanding a bit further this year. I know it's already halfway through the school term, but there's options there that we're looking at. Um, And we're hoping that by the end of this term, we'll actually have seven green flags rather than just the two. And I need to stress that uh, the Eco Schools, it, it covers the whole range of school systems. It goes from nursery schools, primary schools, middle, senior, right up to Bermuda colleges involved. Um, it's a voluntary exercise, isn't it? It's a voluntary exercise, but uh, as I said, we're only in our second year, but we have an anecdotal, I'm not very good at pronouncing that word, anecdotal evidence that uh, we are actually helping to save the, uh, the school system money. If they do an energy audit sure, or a water yeah. audit, they're seeing how they can be more uh, efficient or can conserve their usage there. And one benefit of that is that... Uh, it allows the schools to spend the money on educating the children rather than paying your energy bills. Absolutely. So this is wide, wide-ranging uh, effects even outside of the school system. And also, the students, for example, they're learning how to grow food sustainably yes. in the school. Yes. They go back into their neighborhoods. They're growing food there. It's just making food Well, that's security. the other thing, isn't it? It's, it's peer pressure. And, and if you're mm-hmm. in business, you don't just manage down or sideways. You manage up. You exactly. mm-hmm. you know, you, you, it's a subtle way of getting the message through to mum and dad as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're very proud of the eco-school system. We're looking forward to seeing this expanding it's, to cover all of the schools going forward. Is it something like that that um, you think could work, or would you like to see it work if it was mandated as part of the curriculum? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that would be, you know, an ideal situation mm-hmm. to have, you know, these things integrated right into the curriculum so that it's island-wide. Mm-hmm. You know, the school systems had to evolve. You know, school systems all over the world are faced with this challenge of evolving with society and um, you know what's interesting is that more is now required of school systems before because less is being handled by families and communities you know so now when the norm is that you have a situation where families are working you know even grandparents are working you know so you once had a situation where you know at least one parent was at home grandparents were at home and a lot of these skill sets were taught and reinforced 
in the home environment and just day-to-day living. More people were farming at home, growing their own vegetables, more people were catering to their own animals and different things of that nature. So a lot of these skills you just learned before you went to school, you were up feeding animals, attending to this, you came home, you were in the garden. And so because those things are not happening as regularly in the family and community environment, you know, that's why we're now having to encourage it within the schools as well, um, which is which is challenging, and we understand the schools with schools Yeah, but at the same time, you know, what we found is that the things that we're doing in the schools are helping with the overall development of the students, which right. in turn is assisting with their traditional education work. You know, it's like, it's, it's hard to have one without the other. You know, a lot of times we're trying to force math, social studies, science, and down children's throats without them having kind of like just basic conscious ideas about life and why I'm in school in the first place and what is my role in society and, you know, those bigger questions, you know? Um, Just to build on that, I mean, we continue to develop our relationships with the school systems uh, and the Ministry of Education and so forth. Uh, as it develops, we're able to point to the benefits of the eco school system and show us how it, you know, how it benefits the school system and the wider society. Mm-hmm. So as we develop and get our and are able to measure things better, the more we can go to each school and say these are the benefits, sure. these are the bonuses, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we get more buy-in. I mean, right now the education system, uh, I have to salute our teachers; they're doing a, a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. but we know that they are under under stress. And so sometimes they just don't have the resources to engage in this. Absolutely. But we're trying to show them how this actually benefits them going forward. Uh, one feature of the Eagle Schools is that we actually try to integrate the Eagle School system within the curriculum as a whole. For example, like if you, I'm just giving an example. Sure. Here. So if we have a school garden, for example, right? Then if you're doing a maths class, the teachers can go measure the size of the, the school garden, calculate the area with that. Uh, we know that there's benefits of learning outside, for example. So that adds to that and it lets to is that the students see or use the skills they're learning in the eco-schools or use the eco-schools as part of their curriculum, as part of their learning. So, yeah, we're, we're moving ahead with it. Good. We're quite so proud. It, it itself has got sustainability. Yeah, and um, I just want to thank our, our funders, for example. We, we rely heavily on donations to expand yeah. this, um, and we really couldn't do it without them, so I just want to thank them all for that. Um, there's probably a lot of issues you could talk about, but if you could think of as many top one, two, or three uh, environmental sustainability issues affecting Bermuda, what would they be in your in your opinion? Um, well, how long is piece of string you say? But yeah, but personally, I th- I think it's important to try to yeah you know the saying think global act local. Mm-hmm. It's an old saying in the green movement, um, which is. And I think that applies here as well. I think when we approach sustainability, we have to approach it in a holistic framework, uh, but then identify individual projects that we do with that. And going back to the Eagle Schools, for example, uh, we, we encourage the Eagle Schools to select one issue a year. So if they want to focus on energy this term, just focus on that. Otherwise, they spread themselves too thin. And that's kind of what we, we're doing at right. an organizational level. Uh, one thing that... Uh, I think we can really build on is uh, climate change. I think that's an overarching factor affecting Bermuda, especially small island states. Absolutely. And from that uh, spins off a number of individual projects that can be about land use, it can be about uh, energy consumption, it can be about waste management. And so from my own perspective, that's where I would like to focus 
ourselves is like the framework of climate change and then identify individual things from that. And that goes into inequality of all levels. It goes into how we're consuming. It goes into uh, what we're producing and waste and how we manage all that. So to me, that's the overarching theme. I don't know if Eugene... Well, I was going to ask a question of Eugene, actually, really, that um, Jonathan's made some good points there, but you guys are, are kind of a, a small cog in a big wheel at the moment, relatively mm -hmm. speaking. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a role, perhaps, for government to show more leadership in this area? Well, what I was going to say, just to kind of combine your two questions, <coughs> is that one very important factor is that as adults, you know, we take ownership and responsibility for these things and set a positive example. Yeah. So in answer to that, I would say yes, very much so. It's, it's crucial for government, for major organizations, um, community organizations, churches, whomever. You know, it's, there are numerous organizations that have influence over people, you know, and they're all run by adults. It's, it's, it's very admirable that we're into schools and we're looking to teach our young children. However, we also realize that children do what we do rather than what we say. So we all need to be willing to set the positive example. You know, it literally makes no sense trying to raise a generation of children to behave in a certain Situation when you have adults that are completely unwilling yeah. to do the same. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There needs to be a combined effort in order for us to really comprehensively achieve our goals. So that's where programs like Earth Hour comes in. Earth Hour is coming up on the 19th of March. Yeah. You know, and, and essentially, Earth Hour is an event that started in 2007 in Sydney, Australia, you know, where it was concerned groups that came together to say that they wish for the government to actually do more. They wish for people to be able to do more in terms of focusing on climate change and actions around sustain or more sustainable action. And it quickly grew into a global event. It wasn't the intention originally, but now yeah. you know, it's become a global event. We've actually been involved in Bermuda since 2008. And really one of the primary I guess, benefits of this is that Earth Hour provides us with a focal point, you know, for everyone to channel their energy on around sustainable living. And it's really like a major campaign for us because we get to engage with businesses, with schools, community organizations, and just the general public at large, and just remind people about things that we can be doing on a day-to-day -day basis to change our behaviours. You know? I've been so involved with, with you guys on a few occasions with, with, with Earth Hour, mm -hmm. and it's a fantastic, well, and, and Earth Month, of course, as well, mm -hmm. isn't it? It's, it's, it's a great um, opportunity to do something, but do you think that people are getting the message properly about Earth <coughs> and Earth Month? Mm -hmm. Has it grown enough for you to think you're reaching enough people, for you to think that you are beginning to change the mindset as we talked about at the beginning, mm -hmm. of those people in the position of leadership? Mm -hmm. Well, I, th I think we definitely are. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation because, again, we're creatures of habit and it's far easier to just continue to do things the way that we've been doing it all the time. I think Bermuda as a whole has been faced with a major challenge recently, especially with the economic downturn yeah. of being able to say, like, hey, 
guys, we're not just able to continue to do things the way that we've been doing them all this time. We have to make adjustments. And it's interesting. Human nature suggests that we do things when we have to, you know. And um, we always hope <laughs> that we can do things more in advance, but generally it takes some type of pressure or some type of crisis or some type of major event yeah. that jolts us into action. Well, we're hoping that you know we're wise enough to see the examples of things that are happening all around the world, recognize the importance of this, and really start to behave in a way that sets a positive example for our young people who are working hard and they connect seamlessly with the themes you know they, they really understand because they're really simple concepts it's just that they haven't been conditioned as much as adults have you know and they haven't been ingrained in the type of habits that we've become accustomed to as much so it's far easier for them to to transition but that's the challenge that we have to embrace as adults to be responsible and to make the adjustments you know so yes I feel like we're having and in fact, for example, we had an earth hour meeting on Wednesday, uh -huh. and we ended up in a conversation with the corporation Hamilton and Belco about this new project around LED streetlights, oh, right, yeah. you know, and how that's going to save so much energy yeah. and things of that nature. So the changes are happening, and yeah. we're starting to see institutional changes, which are critical in order for us to really be able to move forward. We need everyone involved. But we are seeing government changing. I mean, they want to set up the solar farm on the finger to power the airport. Mm -hmm. So there seems to be greater acknowledgement of that kind of thing, and we are seeing the, the power supply perhaps being split up a bit more to allow mm -hmm. more competitors. Right. Well, so, you know, we can't achieve sustainable development or sustainability here in Bermuda by ourselves. I mean, Green Rock has a role to play in advocating, <clears throat> but we have to work closely with our partners, and mm -hmm. that's... Government, government has the sustainable development uh, uh, department and the sustainable development plan, which was supposed to be a beginning place. And they're doing a lot of good work, and um, hope they continue. Um, there's also our various NGOs that we work closely with. There's, of course, the initial environmental NGOs like uh, Best and KBB, uh, National Trust. But beyond that, we have to we work with everyone. And then there's also uh, businesses. Um, so we work with the uh, schools, community NGOs. Business. Uh, one of our other projects is the Green Building Forum, right. uh, which is uh, uh, you can join uh, or support Green Rock as a corporate supporter, and uh, we you can then become part of the Green Building Forum. And what that is, it's kind of like a networking or sharing uh, ideas about the individual companies have the green teams, and they initiate. It's kind of like the eco schools almost. They identify yeah. ways to become more sustainable, and yeah. uh, we meet and uh, discuss about what they've done in their business and. It's, it's really, you come out of that meeting thinking we're on the right track because everyone's reporting back. We've done this green initiative. Not only have we saved um, this much carbon dioxide, for example, by reducing our energy consumption, but it demonstrates that green initiatives do pay for themselves. They're saving money, and it's benefiting them. So we, we're on all of this together. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, just as an aside, I've been uh, taking part in some judging for uh, Green Rock on your Green Awards and yep. uh, looking at different businesses and what they're doing. And there are pockets of excellence out there, there's no question. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a question, I suppose, from your guys trying to spread it even further, isn't it? Well, I mean, the Green Workplace Awards that you're yeah. judging with, I mean, one of the points is that of that is to try to highlight that to the public community by recognizing the work that these businesses have done and highlighting that. And that helps to encourage others to adopt and uh, build on that work. There are a couple of specific things I want to touch on. Um, do you think Bermuda does enough for recycling? No. 
No. Why? And how do they make you better? Well, before I go in anything further, I just want to commend the workers at Waste Management and Recycling. They are they're working flat out to try to raise awareness about recycling. Um, they're only really one voice, and we work with them, as does KBB and other organizations, to really help raise awareness about that. Um, there's always more that we can do, and actually the more that people recycle, the more efficient the uh, recycling system here is in Bermuda. And the more money they'll make out of it. Exactly. And also the more efficient the incinerator is, because right now you put in bottles and glass and stuff into the incinerator, that contributes to breaking down of the incinerator stream, yeah. which costs the public more money to fix that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of work that can be done. I know that the Department of uh, Waste Management, they're doing a really great job trying to raise awareness, but they need support from everyone, and we're here to help with that. So it comes back to changing the mindset again, doesn't it? Yeah, it's the yeah. mindset, and I think we need a lot more institutional change, you know. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of work has been done, for example, with, like, the different corporations, mm -hmm. because, you know, if you start to get the businesses, you know, if you start to get the commercial waste, yeah. you know, that that's a big area. It's just, it's, it's a lot of details that have to be managed in terms of, you know, the additional cost of separating your trash and mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's those smaller things and because Bermuda is primarily an import yes. jurisdiction, mm -hmm. you know, because we're not producing our own bottles and things of that yeah. nature, then we also are faced with the challenge of what do we do with these recycling mm -hmm. materials once we collect them. So there are some, some kind of structural and strategic details sure. that need to be worked out. But on an individual level, you know, we, we can do a whole lot better with recycling, you know. And, and there are different options. But it's not just options. plastics and bottles, it's, it's paper and stuff right. like that. We, we used to recycle to be... paper in the 90s. Right, so what happened then? I think it just, be, they calculated it was actually, uh, just wasn't really worth it. I mean, I, I stand to be correct by the waste management, but I think they... Because what we have to do is we have to export a lot of these things. We Obviously. don't have the facilities yeah. here. Uh, so, for example, the, the tin and the dumnium, for example, they collect that, they crush them into these really compound uh, cubes, I guess. And they sell them on the commodity market for recycling in America. And they store them here until they have a good price. Right. And, of course, the more... And that helps actually subsidize importing food here because right now the container ships come here and they leave empty. But yes. a way, if they can leave with something in them, it actually makes it more cost-effective for them. It is probably still a loss leader, but we try to minimize it and subsidize it overall. I mean, the Department of Waste Management can probably correct me sure. and, and all this. But the more people that are recycling, the more we can lead on to this. Uh, glass, for example, although what we do with the glass is we actually cr uh, grind it up into an aggregate, which can be used for a road and uh, construction and drainage in general. So that can be used here on the island. Instead of importing aggregate, we have it here. Um, sorry, I interrupted you. you no, no, it's okay. No, go on. ahead. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, just, just going on from that, we talk about. I mentioned the leadership. What about incentives? There's been a lot of talk about the bottle bill, uh, Jonathan. I think you actually uh, yeah. drafted your legislation, didn't it? And, and the uh, charge of the plastic bags. Mm -hmm. If you can't have leadership, or if you're not going to get leadership, should there be incentives? Well, I mean, the bottle bill is a form of incentive. I mean, so there's, really, yeah. with everything, there's a carrot and stick approach. You can have mandatory recycling. It's got pros and cons to that, but we know it works in the UK, for example. Um, you have a pay-as-you-throw where uh, everyone 
you can have like a wheelie bin of a certain size. Everyone gets issued that, and if you throw out more waste, you can pay for a bigger bin. Yes. And then you're paying every time for that. Um, the bottle bill, that's a carrot, because if you return the bottle, you've already paid a deposit when you purchase the mm -hmm. bottle. Then um, when you return it, you get the deposit back. So that's a carrot, for example. Um, also, in talking on the mandatory recycling, I know in a few places that have instituted that, although it's a stick, they also give a carrot. If they know that this house or this neighborhood is known for recycling well, uh, they actually get a land, ta land tax breaks, for example. So there are carrots that you can put into that as well. Absolutely. So it's a matter of raising these issues and having that conversation. Um, and, 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 yeah. Well, I was going to say, these things require leadership. You know, so it brings government back again. Much, and, yeah. and, and what I find, right, I've learned in life that the most important things, right, are very rarely urgent. <laughs> you know, so in life we can get caught up dealing with urgent pressing matters that are far less important than the things that we really need to be spending our time on. For example, <coughs> You know, you don't really have to study for your exams, but when the test comes, you have to take it, you know. So taking the test becomes an urgency. So people call it, what do they call it, cramming? That becomes a common term. You know, now you can put that to a test, a presentation, all sorts of things. You know, you don't really have to prepare for things, but when events take place, well, many times forced to respond. So we've developed this tendency in society where we've become extremely reactionary. We just react to everything. And then next thing, you know, that's all you do is react. You react to this. You react to that. This is happening. All sorts of things are happening until somebody steps back and says, well, hold on. Why are these things happening in the first place? And they say, well, listen, everyone, what we need to be doing is this, because if we do this, this, and this, then all these things we'll find ourselves busy with won't be happening. Yeah. That's leadership. Yeah. No. Right. No. We're, in a lot of regards, taking the position of stepping back and looking at these things. You know, the challenge that we now have is getting that message across to the people who are in positions to actually make the necessary changes required in the country to get the whole country online. Yeah. You know, because you're right, we're just a very small organization, you know, community organization doing different things, but we're up against people with a whole lot more money. Different <laughs> agendas. You know what I mean? And different agendas, you know, that are able to like put money behind our agendas and promote what they're doing, you know, in a very big way. You know, so we have to depend on kind of like public influence and relationships that we can build with people to do things. But yes, we need leadership out of government. You know, the leaders in our country need to be paying very specific attention to these major issues and helping to direct our country, you know, in a way where we're doing the more important things so that we end up spending less time reacting, right, to the symptoms yeah. when they come up. We actually start to actually cure things, heal them. <laughs> you know, so we're not getting sick all the time, you know, essentially, that's... Okay. And uh, that goes back to how we approach things. We, we engage in dialogue uh, conversations with different partners, government, um, 
uh, school system, NGOs, uh, businesses. We engage them in conversations to raise awareness about these issues. Uh, occasionally, we do stand up and uh, make a more stronger point, mm -hmm. but we're also working uh, behind the scenes, building relationships and maintaining them and trying to encourage them to be proactive. Right. And I think we've made a lot of progress, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 and potentially we could see some changes coming in the near future, you Absolutely. know, because I think we've developed some some very credible relationships, you know, within the leadership within Bermuda. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to the influence that we can have on helping our situation to improve. Well, know. best of luck with that. Um, just one final question. If people want to contact you, how do they do it? Uh, sure, you can uh, contact us at, um, if you have email, you can uh, email us at info, I-N-F-O, at greenrock, G-R-E-E-N-R-O-C-K, dot org, O-R-G, so info at greenrock, dot org. Uh, you can also call the office at, uh, uh, let me get this wrong, right, 297-5406, uh, <laughs> uh, or we have a mobile number, which is 747 7625. Um, if you go to our website, there's contact information is all there. Uh, we would love more people to join as uh, volunteers, to join as members. You can join Green Rock as an individual member, and then you can uh, join with the Green Rock Council, which uh, Eugene is also the chair of, uh, which tries to help. It's like a networking thing almost, and also yeah. to coordinate yeah. volunteer and focus energy. Uh, if you're a company, we uh, offer corporate supporters which um, then you can be part of the Green Building Forum and uh, you help us develop our projects. And if you want to donate more than that, we would love to talk with you. <laughs> <laughs> on, that point, little plug. On, on that point, thank you very much, gentlemen. All right. good thank things. you. Peace Have a good day. Thank you for tuning in to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnnews.com, your 24-7 Bermuda news source.